Welcome to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast, the premier provider of leadership consulting, culture shaping, and senior level executive search services. Every day, we're privileged to talk with fascinating people who are shaping the future through their leadership and vision. Each episode, you'll hear a different perspective from thought leaders and innovators. Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. I'm Jamie Page, Regional Managing Partner for Hydrogen Struggles Industrial Practice in Europe and Africa. In today's podcast, Wind of Change, I'm speaking to Dr. Peter Vekasser, Digital Transformation Officer at Airbus Defence and Space, who is leading one of the most exciting digital transformation programmes in aerospace and defence industry. Peter joined Airbus from Siemens, where he has been the COO of Product Lifecycle Management, leading the Siemens IoT and Digital Enterprise businesses. Peter's experience in Siemens spans around 20 years, where he held various executive-level positions, including VP of Human-Machine Interface. Peter's role is crucial in leading the digital transformation at Airbus, creating new data-driven business models to complement existing product portfolio. Peter, welcome, and thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Maybe we could start by just setting a little bit of context um, around what it is that you're doing. Last spring, Airbus embarked on a company-wide digital transformation program called Quantum, Maybe you could just talk us through a little bit about what that actually entails. Quantum is our uh, company-wide program to drive digital transformation. And Quantum is structured in several modules. There are uh, two key modules. There's a module which really looks more at our internal processes. So following the idea, how do we get better at what we already do? And what do we do today? We design, build aircraft, satellites, and we need to get significantly better at that. So the the objective of, of this initiative in Quantum is um, how do we design and build an aircraft or a satellite in half the time, half the cost in the future, drive significantly uh, operational efficiencies and time to market, and also improve our quality significantly. And on the second side? And the, the other module is really the, a more disruptive approach, um, looking at what are new business models, uh, new offerings that we can use to augment our existing offerings. Airbus in the future will still be selling aircraft, selling satellites, selling uh, uh, military products, but we need to augment this portfolio with more and new digital offerings. And... Here we are thinking about what are these digital offerings, what are the business models, how to offer these uh, digital offerings, and how do we get to these digital offerings. So really two dimensions, and, and I think it's very important for us as a company to keep a certain balance there. How do we get better at what we are already pretty good at, and how do we augment our existing portfolio with digital offerings? And so you have a two-tier approach to this, almost continuous disruption of your existing business and then total disruption, almost trying to see what the next version of Airbus would look like. Looking at that from a people perspective, how do you take an organization's culture, which is tended to be more hardware orientated and shifted into that digital environment in a way which fits the acceleration you're talking about? Mm -hmm. Well, maybe let me first make a comment. I would wouldn't probably call that first dimension a disruption already. Mm. It's a significant change, 
but but it doesn't change really the business model. Mm. So the business model stays as is, but we need to get significantly better at that. This is the change, and I'll come to that people aspect in a second. The other dimension is clearly a disruption. It's a new business model. It might be cannibalizing the the business in some uh, our own business in some in certain areas. So both dimensions are a major change process. That's not only introducing a couple new cool tools, but it's a major change process. And that major change process um, is is impacting everybody in the organization. Why? Um, f- first, people, if, if we talk about digital transformation, most companies uh, think about, hey, this is a technology change somewhat. This is only partially true. It's Technology is enabling a lot of things, um, but digital transformation will impact every single part, every person in the organization. So it will be a major change process, and we are in, in the middle of that major change process already. It it will uh, impact, of course, our R&D and engineering organization. It will impact our manufacturing organization, but it will also impact the way of how these, these organizations interact and work with each other. It will impact our finance um, organization. It will impact our, our sales organization because if we have new offerings which are different from our existing business model, the go-to-market is very likely to change as well. So I always make a bold statement uh, where I say digitalization or digital transformation will impact everybody in the organization. And how particularly does that involve customer because within a transformational program sometimes that could become slightly internally focused Mm -hmm. how do you bring the external viewpoint into your decision making um very very interesting question and actually our customers are also driving us that into that direction Um, our customer base is of course a diverse customer base we have uh, commercial customers basically airlines and then we, of course, have a pretty broad and diverse customer base for our military portfolio. And some of these customer base are conservative customers. But there's one thing that all these customers have in common. If you look at our classical business model, we were selling them expensive assets. And these expensive assets have a really long life cycle in operations. Our customers now all have the challenge, it doesn't matter if that is commercial or military, that they are looking at increasing their operational efficiency and asset availability over the complete life cycle. So that means that our customers are not only interested to talk about uh, what is the asset and what is the features and the capability of the assets, but our customers are really looking at the complete uh, operational life cycle of that asset and are expecting from us as a vendor support on driving operational efficiency and availability of these assets. And so presumably that then builds into things like IoT and your ability to use data analytics to drive performance. Absolutely. And actually data analytics, IoT are kind of keywords that we discuss all the time. And, and if you approach them from a business perspective first, is that these new digital business models usually gravitate very much to be um, service-oriented business models. Also in the aerospace industry, it follows the the principle, an asset, a very expensive asset, which is in operations in cases for for 30 years. So that's not unusual. We need to, to build up the capability to collect data from these assets, to, of course, manage and handle that data. 
to turn that data into actionable information and play that actionable information back to our uh, customers or in a long-term partnership engagement that we even commit to that operational efficiency of our customers and to the improvement measures uh, that we are driving there. And that leads to, of course, strategic targets that we as Airbus want to significantly grow our, our service business. And this is not um, time and, and material-based services, but this is performance-based services in the future. So in a transformational program, as you've described it, knowledge share presumably plays a, a major factor in being able to accelerate what you're trying to achieve. And looking, as you've described, this sort of revised interaction between operating business units, how does knowledge share improve and help with that? I think knowledge sharing is key. And knowledge sharing has also two dimensions. That's internal knowledge sharing between disciplines and uh, uh, groups within Airbus, but also knowledge sharing with our customers. And I want to pick up on that example of uh, data analytics and predictive maintenance and data-driven services. Here, it's really, we have to combine two domain expertise. It's the domain expertise about aircraft, about aircraft design and about aircraft operations. This is usually expertise that either people in our engineering uh, organizations or even the customer have. But we need to combine that with expertise of people who really have the expertise of analyzing data, building algorithms, have the tool know-how. And this is a completely new form of working together between parts of the organization and also including the customer. And this is one of the biggest challenges that I perceive that we need to tell our organization, that we need to tell our customers to not uh, protect everything that, that we have, but be significantly more open, drive really different corporations models internally between internal groups, but also with our customers. And that sounds, again, from a cultural perspective, you know, that's a radical transformation. It sounds reasonably simplistic, but actually it's a radical transformation in behavior. How do you as a leader influence that? Well, first of all, we, we encourage our um, organization to be transparent, to be open, to work across organizational boundaries. I want to I want to share one one easy example. Um, usually, and data data is is kind of fundamental to everything that that we do. The capability to have access to data, and the capability to analyze data to turn it into actionable information. The traditional culture in Airbus and also in many other organizations was that data is kept secret and is being protected. And even internally, other groups are not allowed to access data. Now we, we changed this model. We clearly said uh, data is a, is a fundamental source to drive operational efficiency. So we need to make data freely available. Of course, we still need to have all checks and balances in, in place that the right people can access the data. But we significantly removed the barriers in the organization that data can be accessed between different departments. And one very good example for that is our Skywise approach. Skywise um, is our offering uh, to commercial airlines today that we help them um, to use our data plus their data and turn it into actionable information. Um, and this data is accessible uh, within the Airbus organization uh, from various groups, from operation, from manufacturing, and also from, from engineering, they can all work on that same data pool. This is a massive cultural change, and this needs 
uh, executive sponsorship and also executive guidance. And we have put these in place and we still need to work daily on that to really drive it deep into the organization. And, and as you describe it there, that's sort of people's interaction with that data, utilizing it in a different way. But as part of your transformation, you're also looking at machine learning and, and AI as well. Talk to us about the sorts of impact that's having on the business as well. Well, this is a, a quickly evolving discipline and, and uh, AI is probably one of the fastest evolving technologies. And I personally believe AI will have a similar impact on basically any industry like, like cloud and IoT has already today. So that also means for Airbus, we need to embrace AI. We need to build up internal know-how around artificial intelligence. We need to bring on external people into the, into the organization. But again, this is not only a technology discussion for us. How we, do we get better at AI? How do we build up know-how around AI? How do we partner with companies who are really good at AI? It's really also the question about what are the business models? So what kind of business models does AI support today and tomorrow? And how do we fully embrace uh, these business models? So what do we specifically do? We have teams in, in Airbus who really think about what are these new business models? And we also have teams that go deep into the technology. And of course, we ask these teams to closely work together. And if you approach this from the technology viewpoint as well as from the business viewpoint, it's kind of interesting how these teams start to interact and are creating new ideas basically on a daily basis. And as you've rightly pointed out, AI is sort of the topic of the day. It's a highly competitive marketplace for talent that's capable of delivering the type of transformation you're describing. What is it that Airbus is doing to attract that type of talent? Well, um, we, we are trying to be as flexible from an HR standpoint as possible. And this is not only salary related, related but also work environment related. So we are also changing that. So we are creating basically in all parts of the, the company, the open space culture. And we are also changing physically our infrastructure, our buildings. Uh, we, are, we are creating a, a work environment that today's people expect from us. And the big advantage that, that, that Airbus has is we have really cool products. We have products that young engineers get attracted to. Stuff that flies is really cool technology. And so we find people who are attracted by our technology and also people who, who realize, yes, Airbus is an organization that has been in place for many years, but Airbus is willing to change and has started that change process. And this change process is also really visible already today. And going back to that cultural point, you know, if you're bringing in that generation of, a, of, of new talent that's going to help you in the development of AI, there's also a significant populace within your business already that's existing talent that's maybe more from the hardware side of things. How do you create that interface that means that the two parties work successfully together? I think this is actually a challenge and, and a big opportunity at the same time. Clearly, our goal in the future is we still want to, to design and build aircrafts. So we need these people who can design the hardware, build the hardware. Uh, but we also need to educate these, these people that we can't stand still, that we have to evolve, that every person in the organization have to evolve and be open for new business models and, and new technologies. 
This of course requires constant management attention. This acquires also constant preaching into, into the organization. And I think we need to combine the two worlds here. We need to combine the classical world of mechanical engineering, aerospace design, uh, with the new capabilities that uh, modern IT can introduce into, into these products. And if you allow me one, one kind of side comment, one of the interesting challenges that we have is I see really two elements of our business which will be equally important in the future. It's the continuous involvement of our existing business, so make our aircrafts a little better, make our business model of creating a new product a little bit better every day. And this is an, an area where we don't change business model. This is an area we, where we also avoid risk and make small incremental steps to get to get better and this is actually not specific to aerospace industry but we i personally see that in all industries that that i've worked in so far this is the more classical incremental improvement of the of the business and even in that part of the business we need to introduce new thought processes new technologies and significantly evolve this business but then we have this other part of the business where we are fully aware that we are facing disruption and we are actually facing disruption in many areas from a business perspective i see the disruption particularly in space and when i first joined airbus i was very surprised uh, to see disruption particularly in space because some general thesis and, and thought processes are changing. Satellites are getting much smaller, but you put constellations of, of satellites in, into orbit. So business models are changing. We are actually being disrupted by a lot of startups that are uh, all of a sudden popping up in the area of space. And, and the number of startups is a really good measure for how disruptive an industry um, is at a certain point. The other area is, is the drone business and urban air mobility. Also hundreds of startups uh, who have completely different concepts. And we made the decision to create the required spaces for startup activities within Airbus to, uh, to get launched. So we have that across the company now. And in these startup businesses, we have the challenge that we need to protect these businesses from the classical business because the startup business have the tendency to be significantly more risky and traditionally we are in risk adverse organizations. So we need to create the space to allow these businesses to take certain risks. We need to create a failure culture that we accept failure in, in some of these activities. And again, we need to keep the balance between incrementally improving um, our business and on the other hand, creating the spaces where we have the capability to take certain risk, try new things and create our own disruptive uh, innovations that in the future, hopefully will pay back and create new businesses for Airbus. And in that context of the incubation, if you like, of, of those startups, how do you learn from those startups and push that back into your incremental as well? Actually, these two sides are not always best friends because in the more incremental business, people are being trained to be risk adverse and, uh, well, taking small steps and failure is not really an option, but projects are expected to be successful. And it's the complete opposite 
on the disruptive side. It's about conscious risk-taking. It's about making changes to existing plans because you can't plan a year or sometimes even five years into the future. But we are actually facilitating the exchange between the group, the two groups. We are moving people between the two sides. We are having regular meetings. We are talking about successes on the both sides. And we, of course, are trying to learn on, on both sides. Are we perfect on, on this today? No, certainly not. But I, I see the organization significantly involving and getting better. And I think it's being understood and, and there is the executive sponsorship from the top level management that we need to do both. Risk and reward is obviously a major part of any organization's planning. How does an organization like Airbus balance the risk of a conservative, more traditional engineering business with the risk of a more disruptive transformational business? Very interesting question. And I think this is not only a question uh, for Airbus, but for all successful companies. A successful company usually becomes risk adverse at some point because and a successful company has created a business and uh, the main objective of this, this uh, uh, successful business is to protect it. Um, and and slowly evolve it. And of course, we all, all know the examples of Nokia and Kodak where companies have only protected the business to a point where they couldn't protect it anymore against disruptive innovation. And I think this is a challenge that all, all of us face. And so we need to balance our approach. I think it's fundamental to companies to evolve their business, to be risk adverse, to make it a little bit better every day. But it's also important to have the courage to create uh, your own disruptive approaches. And of course, these disruptive approaches become particularly difficult if they might be disrupting your own internal business. If you disrupt somebody else's business, that's relatively easy. But if these disruptive approaches um, attack your own business, it becomes challenging. And my recommendation to everybody is create these um, the spaces so that you you establish teams that have the the objective to disrupt your own business and consciously take significantly more risk that you would allow the rest of the organization to take. Do you think that a corporate organization like an Airbus is able to send that disruption far enough to truly compete with a startup? Or is there always going to be need to partner with that startup community? Well, um, history tells us um, that large corporations are struggling with that challenge. And most game-changing disruption is not created by corporates but by small startups that grow bigger. So I think we always need to challenge our own organization to be disruptive, but we also need to work with startups and there are multiple ways how you work with startups in partnering, in joint venture, uh, and, and also in M&A activities that you can drive. And I think uh, you have to use the whole portfolio of, of that to evolve your business into the future. One of the other aspects that we would look to, and if I look to just the recent news of the new um, drive towards electrification of airplane engines, joint ventures will play an increasing part in how you develop new technology and new product for the future. But then in those instances, you're interacting with joint venture partners' own cultures Mm -hmm. and the challenges that they themselves are facing in terms of modernizing and transforming their own businesses. 
How is that a benefit and a hindrance at the same time? I would say it's it's mainly a benefit. It's less a hindrance. And I see us engaging into partnerships. And sometimes they are joint ventures, but they do not always have to be uh, joint ventures. And, and these partnerships are sometimes with uh, with large organizations. So there's the partnership between Airbus, Siemens and Rolls-Royce on electric propulsion uh, for future aircrafts. Uh, but we have lots of partnerships with small companies, companies that didn't exist uh, two years ago. And these are always interesting because I perceive there is always a huge opportunity to learn in these partnerships. Initially, you need to have the courage to engage into this into these partnerships. It's a it's a different environment how you create products, and this is a change process that we do not have to own everything in the in the value creation chain, but we need to engage with these partners. I also see that partners have the same challenge that that we have. They need to open up just like we do. And I clearly see us on a on a pretty good path here. So there's a large number of these engagement. Some are joint ventures, some are partnerships, some are in a very early phase, some are already in a little bit more mature phase. Um, but I do not see a, a a real disadvantage in these kinds of partnerships. I really see a huge benefit for the organization for us and also for our partners. Now, looking back through your career, there will be many lessons, I'm sure, on how best to incubate and support innovation. But if you could just pick one that stands out, what would that be? Well, I, I've worked in two large organizations, Siemens and, and Airbus. And both of these have the traditional approach of incrementally improving their, their businesses. Both of these organizations have also embraced that they need to be more disruptive. And my recommendation, especially for large corporations, is that you need to do both and you need to protect the disruptive approaches from the classical approaches to some degree. So you need to create protected environments where these new disruptive approaches have the chance to get off the ground and without being, um, I call it sometimes, hacked to death uh, by the existing businesses. Great. Look, Peter, very grateful for your time. Um, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us and to share your thoughts. Thank you very much. Really appreciated to be part of that. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. To make sure you don't miss more future shaping ideas and conversations, please subscribe to our channel on the podcast app. And if you're listening via LinkedIn, Twitter, or YouTube, why not share this with your connections? Until next time.